You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. And welcome back to Talking Nicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, joining you on a Monday evening. The day after the Knicks fell in game four, 113 to 96 in Atlanta. Uh, the Knicks are now down 3-1 in the series as we head back to New York for game five on Wednesday. And here to talk to me about it is my friend, my co-host, Kenny Poon. Kenny, let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. Kenny, before we get into this, how are you? How was your Memorial Day weekend? How you doing? Oh, Tom Bone. I'm doing, uh, doing well. I can't complain. Um, I think, you know, my, my Memorial Day weekend was disappointing in that the entire week leading up to Memorial Day weekend was beautiful. And then Saturday and Sunday come by, it's raining all day Saturday and Sunday. Today was overcast most of the day. Um, you and I played some basketball, which was great. It's my first time getting out um, and playing basketball in about a year. Uh, so that was, that was exciting and fun. Um, but it's still overcast, and I was hanging out at, uh, at the beach for most of it, most of this weekend, and you know, not nice weather. And then uh, as soon as I packed my car out, car up, <laughs> the, the sun came out, and I was just like, well, that's – pretty messed up <laughs> that is pretty messed up but that is uh, messed up. <laughs> but but uh here we are now and uh how, how was your weekend tom other than the the few few hours that i saw you in which you thoroughly beat me in basketball um i'm a little disappointed in myself but i'm sure you enjoyed it well i will say that was the highlight of my weekend um yeah it was mostly cooped up i, I did take my dog for a walk in the rain through a park like it was the messiest walk we've ever been on she was just covered in mud so I had to go give her a bath after that but no I mean beyond that it was it was mostly an indoors type of weekend um but can't complain too much I mean first of all you mentioned it basketball I hadn't shot a basketball in a long time like that was that was too long it's probably the longest I've gone without shooting a basketball since I picked up a basketball for the first time when I was probably three is this I mean that's probably true, right? Like the longest you've gone without shooting a basketball? Um, I don't know. Cause there was a, there was a period for like a couple of years after I um, started working where like, I really wasn't doing much. And then I think I really started getting back into it with you. Cause you and I started like over the summers playing one-on-one a lot. Like, and I don't know when that happened, but before that I went a decent chunk of time without touching a basketball. Yeah. Well, it's good to, good to be back because that just, it feels right. Feels right to yeah. be hooping again, um, yeah. and it's it just feels nice to be like out in the world, like yeah. doing stuff. Because uh, I I think we we did a, a decent amount of stuff last summer, and we played we we shot some hoops last summer. But uh, for the most part, with the exception of last summer, the last year and a half has been very much an indoors time, like indoors in that like I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, you are not alone, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was good to be out there. I felt like 
you know, we were both certainly rusty and I don't know. I'm sure there's an easy segue in here somewhere to get, to get to talking about the Knicks. Speaking Ooh. of basketball, let's talk about some professional basketball. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's a professional podcaster right there. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, game, game four felt kind of like a, you know, a recurring nightmare after game three. It was, it was fairly similar. Um, we got out to a decent, I mean, I say a decent start just because we were up one after that first quarter, but even then I felt like it was kind of fool's gold to me. Um, the, the Hawks came out, they were two of 12 in that first quarter from three. They had five turnovers to our just one turnover and we were still just up one point. And I mean, I don't know how you felt, but even those first two Knicks possessions that resulted in, in Julius Randle, like step backs, as soon as that happened, I was just kind of, I was just a little disappointed. I wanted to see us come out and like try something new, try something different. And we started out with just a couple Randall isolations that, that didn't, you know, they got him looks that he'd hit previously in the regular season. But I feel like we almost have to throw that out at this point. Like we have to build up his confidence again. And I, I was just hoping to get him some easier looks, maybe a chance to get downhill, maybe get to the free throw line and really get him going. And there was just none of that. So, I mean, Randall was certainly aggressive in that first quarter. He shot the ball nine times, just three and nine from the field, but not efficient and, you know, not quite the Randall that we're used to. What would you think of the early goings of that game? Yeah. And I think, I think you're, you're right to mention Randall because like he did take those, those mid range jumpers and those aren't, those aren't terrible shots for him. Like they're shots that he's capable of making, but, like he hasn't been making them all series. So um, like you said, maybe a little more driving would be in order and kind of force the refs to, to make a call. And I know he did that very late in the game. Like um, I think there were two straight, two or three straight possessions very late in the game when he, he had hard drives that like, I was happy to see them. I, uh, I don't think he got the call on uh, the first one. And then the second one, he got the call and then they reversed it because he elbowed uh, John Collins in the face. Um, but like, I, I think he needs a little more of that. Um, so I, I'm, you know, hoping to, to see some of that in the, the next game. And, you know, again, we, we talked about it while we were shooting hoops, but like maybe like he's capable of hitting those step back and off the dribble uh, mid-range jumpers, but maybe try to get him an easy shot just so he can see the ball go through the hoop because, you know, he hasn't been getting a m- much of those and, and he hasn't really, like he's had, he's had a couple opportunities where he's caught the ball in three and then hesitated and ended up driving or doing something else instead to, Whereas like this season, if he was catching it and like had space, he was stepping into a three and hitting it more often than not. Yeah, man. And not only is he capable of hitting those mid-range jumpers, I really think that the Knicks offense like hinges on his ability to hit those shots. Like they, the Knicks need Julius Randle to attract hard double teams, right? Not these like kind of soft double teams where they've got Capella stalking Randle on the, on the baseline, they need Julius Randle to be kind of that unstoppable version he was during the regular season. And part of that is hitting hard shots. That's been a part of his game the whole season. I recognize that, but I think the words is both saying, try and get him a couple easy looks, a couple easier looks so that his confidence is up for him to make those shots and like really make this team go. So I, I think we're on the same page there. And just and one guy I want to highlight, you have more on Randall. Yeah. I was just going to say that what you just said was kind of the key to it. Cause like, we know he's capable of making those shots and we've seen a lot of lot go in and out. So like the confidence part I think is key because he hasn't, you know, 
um, look particularly confident in shooting the ball. And like, we're, like I just said just a moment ago, like he's passed up some good shots. Um, but whereas I don't think if he was really feeling it, like he's passing up a, a three at the top of the key when the, the defender's sagging off of him. Um, so a couple, a couple of them go through the net and, and, you know, he could, he could get hot in a hurry. And, and that's what I'm hoping for, honestly. Yeah. We haven't seen it yet. And I think just to, to round out the conversation on, in that first quarter, like a couple of things really jumped out. Derek Rose again was just on fire to start. He had 10 points in that first quarter, hit a couple threes, um, and just has really looked good to start since he's been um, inserted into that starting lineup. And then RJ Barrett, who I think part of our issue with how he's been used so far in these playoffs has been just exclusively as this spot up shooter, which granted he's been very good at throughout the regular season, but such a big part of his role in the regular season was also being that facilitator. You know, we would drop plays. The first play of every game was always to get RJ Barrett going downhill and attacking the basket. And we didn't really see that in the first few games of this series in this, in the first quarter of this one, he really got the ball in his hands a lot. He was pushing in transition and he finished the first quarter with seven points and four assists to no turnovers, which I was very impressed by. So it was, it was good to see Barrett aggressive early and, and having the ball in his hands early as well. And that kind of carried over um, to, to the rest of his game. He did finish the game uh, uh, fairly strongly as well. So it was RJ Barrett's best game of the series so far. Did you like what you saw from RJ? Um, I'm going to touch on RJ in a second, but I want to just one quick note on, um, on, on Derek Rose is, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird situation with him starting now. And I, I want to just touch on like the beginning of the game situations. I feel like, I don't, and I don't know how you feel about this because it's just going to be a random thought, but when we are up one, like at the end of the first or when Derrick Rose comes out, I feel worse than when we're down six, when Alfred Payton was coming out and Derrick Rose was going in. Does that make sense to you? Or like, am I just out there? There is a kind of a psychological thing where it's like when Derrick Rose comes in, even, if, you know, because Alfred Payton's lineups can only bury us so much in that first quarter, right? Because it just, it never seemed like we were like, the game was out of, you know, our grasp after the first quarter, by the time Derek Rose came in, it just felt like, Oh, here's a, like the cavalry's here. You know what I mean? Like he can, he can help us pull us out of whatever kind of minor hole that we've dug ourselves. Um, You know, third quarters, I feel like we're a little different sometimes, but in that first quarter, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not advocating for Alfred Payton starting. It would be nice if there were another option, but yeah. um, Quickly hasn't been good. Burks hasn't been good since game one. So you know, the options are certainly limited. Yeah. And I was just coming at it from a mental standpoint. Cause like, I just, I just thought about that um, while watching the other game. I was like, we're up by one right now, but I don't feel that great. Cause now I know like Derek Rose needs a rest and, you know, um, without him on the second unit, the second unit hasn't been nearly as strong. Um, but kind of moving back to, to RJ Barrett, I, I think you're right. I think um, I very much appreciated seeing him with the ball in his hand more. Uh, I think what I really liked was at the very end of the game, um, there was a couple times when he just bullied past whoever his defender was to get a, a shot at the rim. And like, he made a little, you know, two foot floater from over. I think, he, I think at least one of the times it was Kevin Herter was guarding him and he just 
bulldozed right past him and Herter like Herter wasn't even there. And I was like, that's what I want to see from RJ, RJ Barrett. Like with, I, I don't know who's guarding him all the time, but if it's a guy like Kevin Herter, if, if we talked about um, previously, Trey Burke was get, got switched onto him a couple of times. Like if it's one of those guys, yeah, you said Trey Burke, a little Freudian uh, slip. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Trey, uh, Trey young um, got, got switched on to him. And it's just like, he can just he can roll over those guys pretty easily like no doubt and we've seen it and we've seen it and we've talked about it with uh when he's in the post guarding Danilo Gallinari and like he's just getting Gallinari is a much bigger guy and he's just getting stonewalled so I think he has the strength to kind of force the issue um over some of these smaller defenders and like that's like that's what I want to see more at the and it's, it's, it's him getting to the rim too. Cause there's been a, a few times where he's driven and then kind of done these pull-ups from, you know, the, the baseline that I don't really love. Um, I just, I want to see him get to the rim more. And, and we did see that in the, in this game and particularly at the, the, the very end of the game when it was possibly more out of hand. Yeah. I mean, so, so we end up going into halftime down four points, but at that point, like it's, it's pretty much a toss up. Like, you know, we, it's, it's, practically a stalemate. And it's that third quarter that, again, it was the deciding quarter. Uh, I believe in game three, it was the second quarter that kind of did us in. But uh, the Hawks ended up outscoring us by 13 points in the third quarter um, to put them up by uh, 17 heading into the fourth. And that's not a situation where you really expect a team to come back. But, you know, in that third quarter, I, I was really impressed with the looks that the Knicks generated on the first few possessions of the half. Like I mentioned kind of my disappointment in that first half when it was just ISO Randall, ISO Randall, but to open up the third quarter, they ran a couple of these horn sets where they ran, where they had two guys standing at the free throw line and they just got a little creative with it. Like, um, you know, they're, it looked like they were trying to get Julius Randall attacking Trey young and he didn't really, he didn't really do that but it still got good looks. Uh, Randall ended up driving left and enforcing help and kicking it out to the strong side to, to RJ Barrett, who had a wide open corner three and it went in and out for the first possession of the half. And then second possession of the half, uh, they ran a little horns flare, which I posted about on my Twitter. If you want to see a video of it, but basically Bullock with Trey guarding him runs off a flare screen. Taj Gibson screens, Trey young and, and uh, he got, I mean, we hit him right in the, in the shooter's pocket. He had a great look. And again, it just rattled out. So, I mean, those were two three pointers from two of our best shooters that just missed. And on the other end, Trey young, he hit one super deep contested three. And I know he had another uh, contested shot as well. So it was like a, a, a huge swing just to open up that, that second half. And it wasn't even a, a process issue. It was just like a results thing. You know what I mean? I didn't feel bad with the, the shots they were allowing Trey Young to take weren't that good of shots. The shots we were taking were very high value shots and it's just nothing fell our way to open the third. And that's kind of, that carried through for the rest of the half. Yeah. And I, it's funny that, that that's how you uh, kind of describe this whole situation because before you even went into the description I was thinking the same thing like I was thinking it's a make or miss league and sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way and that first RJ Barrett shot was about as far in the hoop as it can go without Mm -hmm. actually counting as points and then to come down on the other end and have Trey Young hit that like long three and it's just it's it's tough and 
the the bounces this this series just haven't really gone the next way and you know we talked about it in game one with uh with that Bogdanovich three right after it you know um rj barrett had kind of an opportunity to steal it but his you know momentum was taking him away from the ball and uh Bogdanovich grabbed it you know some people question whether he was out of bounds when he touched the ball i'm not really sure can't tell on camera but it's possible and like those are the things that you know I know this this game ended up getting out of hand shortly, like towards the end of the fourth quarter. But if if you know a few of these shots go in, like it changes the entire dynamic of the game, and and the Knicks just haven't been getting those bounces, and their their shots haven't been falling. And like you said, these have been good shots, but you now that's that's just the way the game goes sometimes. Yeah, and again, I've been critical of some of the looks that the Knicks have gotten. Like their offense hasn't always been that crisp or that clean. But like in the third quarter. They were trying different stuff and it looked good and the shots just weren't falling. And, you know, that's where, you know, I, I kind of get the re- reputation as the analytics guy and you look at points per shot and all these things, but you can't quantify it so much when Trey Young is hitting these demoralizing shots and we're missing one that we're missing looks that go in typically, you know what I mean? It, there's a compounding effect that, that really hurts the team, hurts the morale and it's just a slippery slope from there. And, um, I don't know. That that third quarter was just brutal. Um, Trey Young had nine points in the third. I'm just, you know, um, yeah, they hit five and nine of their threes in that quarter. So it, it was just all around. They were hitting shots we weren't, and it's boring to podcast about it. But you said make or miss league. That's right. Like that's there's yeah. not a whole lot of other analysis to do. Um, I didn't think our defense. Our defense at times was sloppy. The rotations were sloppy. I feel like we don't consistently do the same thing as far as like switching screens or like Xing out. There's just a lot of kind of tactical stuff that um, felt really just automatic in the regular season. But, you know, the, the Hawks offense is so potent. They have so many weapons that I, I understand why there are miscommunications sometimes. So I don't know this wasn't a game where we played well enough to win. Um, and it, I guess that leads me to ask kind of how you feel going into game five back in, at Madison Square Garden. Um, I mean, I think, I think being at the Garden is going to be very helpful to this team, and I, I fully expect them to come out kind of much more aggressive than we see, we've seen them, uh, not only because they're back at Madison Square Garden, but because – towards the end of this game. Um, I think the Knicks started to get frustrated at some of the, the antics of the Hawks. Um, you know, the, the Hawks have to begin this series. Uh, Nate McMillan was saying that, you know, the whistles were going to go the Knicks way, which hasn't, you know, borne out. And then after I think either game one or two, McMillan again was complaining about, you know, cheap shots that the Knicks were taking. And uh, Jason Collins said the same thing. And like, uh, if you watch some of the video, like there's a video of um, Randall, like he gets Bogdanovich with an elbow. It doesn't look like a dirty play. It doesn't look intentional, but like that's something that the Hawks have rallied about, rallied around. And then there was another play where, you know, Nerlens Noel get his, got his feet tangled up with, uh, with Trey Young. Again, it doesn't like, if you're looking for something, like maybe there's something there, but it doesn't really look that bad. Um, but that's another thing that the Hawks have been rallying around. And, you know, they've, they've used that as this kind of rallying point to, to get themselves some motivation. And like, they've been taking, they've been taking a lot of shots at 
Nerlens Noel since that happened. And, you know, they've been taking, I think they said at uh, one post game that they, they realized after I think game two that they were getting punked and they were letting the Knicks punk them uh, and they weren't going to do that anymore. And like, it hasn't like th- there have been some cheap shots thrown and some um, particularly against Noel. I think he at, during game uh, three, he got blindsided two or three times from like just people who were off the ball. Um, it got called, I think uh, at, at least two of those times, possibly all three, but like, they're taking their shots. And now the Knicks, um, you know, there, there was this play by Danilo Gallinari going in for a rebound, and Reggie Bullock felt that Gallinari threw an elbow into his back. Uh, and he got very heated and, you know, um, went at Gallinari for it. You watch the replay, like, again, it was, it's a similar situation to the Trey Young thing and to the Bogdanovich thing. Like, maybe there's something there. Like, I can't really tell on, on camera. Um, but if it's something that's going to rally the team, then it's something that's going to rally the team. And like right after that, um, you know, Julius Randall threw a hard shoulder into Danilo Gallinari and took himself out of the game to, and high-fived everyone going down the bench. So they're all, um, I think, feeling that, that the Hawks' antics have gone a little too far. You know, whether that's, that's true or not, it's something that they're going to rally around and they're going to come out, you know, aggressively in game five at the Garden. So... That's that's what I expect. I think that was a long-winded way to say I, I expect them to be very motivated and to to see, you know, uh, there's been question about whether the Knicks can take it to a next level um, because of how hard they they, do, they go during the regular season. But I think we're going to see them at the next level above what we've seen so far in this series just because they're going to be playing with a lot of fire and, and anger, frankly. Yeah, I think that they have a, several reasons to have a chip on their shoulder in this game. And, and part of it is that, that physicality or, or, you know, line stepping, stepping over the line. Um, but also just like having been outplayed, you know, kind of Trey Young's swagger bordering on cockiness and just his general and the antics as, as you call them. Um, but I, I will say I, I expect in game five for a lot of the Knicks role players to step up. I know that's kind of a, a Hubie Brown uh, axiom, right? Where he just says that, that your role players don't typically travel as well and they just are feel more comfortable at home with the crowd behind them, there are certainly guys on this roster who you'd expect that for. Um, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, uh, Reggie Bullock, who is just, we need him so desperately. He was in, in game four, he was 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 3 from three. He only took three threes in 34 minutes played. Um, I was saying to you before, like, during the last quarter of the season, when he was just on fire, he was taking eight three-pointers per game in a similar amount of time. Like, his just willingness to, to get him up, he was shooting threes in transition a lot. We're not seeing any of that. Like, there, are, he was getting a lot of open looks before the defense got set before. It's just not happening at all. I don't know whether we're not looking for him or what. We would be – we used to set – screens for him in transition when he would come off the ball it'd be like a pin down screen and as soon as the point guard crossed half court there'd be Reggie Bullock coming off a pick ready to shoot and it it almost feels like we're too precious with our possessions sometimes where we're like oh but maybe we could generate a better look maybe we can get a better look the Hawks defense is pretty solid like we're not getting better looks when we're passing up these open threes that was our chance We're, we're we're having guys pump fake the open three, like you mentioned before with Randall and drive into a crowded lane. And that's not, that hasn't been the answer. So 
I would love to see Bullock start like getting that confidence back and just start pulling on threes quickly. Same deal. Um, yes, they, they did. They both were, uh, were cold in Atlanta, but I'm, I'm really banking on that changing back in New York. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing on the positive for Bullock is that he did play solid defense against Trey Young this game. And, you know, we came into the series, uh, saying that he might not be the answer on, on Trey Young um, just because he's typically not guarding, you know, one of the, the quicker point guard types. He's more of a wing defender. Um, but the last two games, he's been the primary defender, and Trey Young has come down from where he was in the first two games when he was just kind of not missing anything. Uh, this last game, uh, Trey Young went – let me get the numbers – 9 for 21 from the field. He scored 27 points, but, like, he was not particularly efficient with his shots – um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to give Bullock some of that credit. Um, yeah, man, four of 14 on threes. Like that's not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's the yeah. point where you're almost ho- hoping that he pulls up from three. I know I kind of breathe a, a sigh of relief every time he, he does. I mean, not sometimes when he's in rhythm and he, and he pulls up with an open look, that's, that's not so good, but some of these deep ones, I don't like let him shoot those, man. I don't care at all. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it when we were playing basketball, like he is not like you see his highlights of him shooting deep threes when they go in a lot. From what I've seen in this series, he is not Steph Curry or Dame Lillard in his shooting. He is launching a lot of those deep threes and missing a lot of them. Like a couple of them have gone in, but he has missed a lot of those deep threes. And it's like you said, like, let him take that shot. I, I, from what I've seen this series, and, you know, I don't know if the broader numbers, you know, play, the, play out the same way, but, like, that is not a great shot for him. Like, he has been so deadly with his floater and so, like, ridiculous in getting into the lane and either hitting that floater or hitting an open teammate for a dunk that if he, he wants to go two for, two for ten shooting deep threes, like, go for it, bro. Yeah. Go for it. I'm with you. Like he definitely thinks that there's this momentum shift that happens. And we did see it in the third quarter of game four when he hit that deep one. But for the most part, we can and should be able to weather the storm of a relatively rare deep three from Trey Young. You know what I mean? Like far more often that will result in a long rebound. Hopefully we get out in transition and get a bucket on the other end. So, yeah. Um, and- and just kind of getting getting back to, to Reggie Bullock on the offensive end, and again, it's, it's something we talked about while we were playing basketball, but typically he's this, this series he has been kind of sticking around in the corner and Trey Young has been guarding him. And you know, what we discussed that I would love to see is just run Trey Young off of screens all day long. Make him work on the, on the defensive end. Like whether or not uh, that even ends up in Reggie Bullock getting an open three, I don't care. Like, have, have Trey Young running into screens. Just make yeah, his man. life more difficult. That's why I brought – that's why I was so pumped about that Horns Flare set that we ran in that third quarter. Like, it, it required Trey Young to come off a couple different screens, and it still got Bullock a wide-open three. If that goes down, like, you could see Fibs calling that, that number again, running it again, like – you never know what, what could happen if, if the shot goes in. So um, hoping to see more of that in game five, hoping to see more confidence from Bullock on the offensive end, certainly. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, I know we're, we're kind of 
trying to keep this one on the shorter side, we haven't talked about Obi Toppin at all. Is there anything you want to say about Obi's minutes uh, in in Game Four? I know he he was he was just really good, right? Yeah, and uh, and I think you know if 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 you you've heard our comments throughout the series post games, like Obi has just if nothing else, Obi has been very solid in his minutes. You know, he's playing hard and he's playing more under control than he was this season, and you know he's he has been one of our most consistent and best players given it's only been in his limited like 10 to 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Which would be, you know, pretty, a pretty shocking statement to hear uh, coming off that regular season. Right. We, we were not expecting that in any way, shape or form. So, you know, Obi, whether he, whether he actually can play the five ably against like next to Randall, um, I, I would I think I'd like to see it just from a spacing perspective. Just uh, maybe Capella kills us on the offensive boards, but you know Obi's been extremely active. He's very athletic and he hustles so much. So um, the it would be nice to be able to play five out and not have Capella just stalking the baseline, ready to help on Randall at a moment's notice. Because you know that's where the centers have been. I said after game three, like you have Noel and Taj Gibson just clogging up the paint. Uh, I did notice that in the third quarter, they had the Knicks had Taj Gibson standing in the corner for a couple offensive plays, and it really resulted in better looks. So that I hope that that's something they take away as well. Just sticking because Taj Gibson can kind of hit the occasional three. At least the, the the defense has to respect it to a, to some degree, and you know they can't just camp out in the paint like they can with Noel. So um, you know, hoping to see more of that. Would love to see more top in minutes at the five just to try it out and because you never know what's going to work, right? Like you can't just keep trying the same thing and, and having it not work. Um, so, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I think we, we did see that smaller lineup very briefly at the very end of this, uh, this Hawks game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you query how much the Hawks were still invested in the game at this point, but, like, the, the lineup looked decent. Um, they had – I don't think uh, Capella was on the floor, but they had most of their starters still on the floor at the time. Um, but, you know. It's a potential something that you can do, um, and it's something that we didn't see at all during the the regular season, which you know makes you nervous. But at this point, like if nothing else is working, like go for it. What do you What do you have to lose? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I so so. Do you have a prediction here? Like, do you? I know you don't predict the Knicks ever lose anymore. Um, so it's almost yep. a stupid question, but so. In your heart of hearts, do you think that the the Knicks will take Game Five and and bring the series back to Atlanta? Um, I do, and even if I I wasn't predicting, if I was predicting losses, I this is a game that I think, you know, the the Knicks, like I said, they're just I think they're very um, angry right now, and I think that's going to result in you know a much more aggressive team than we we've seen, um, and I think. You know, if if shots fall early on, this is going to be a very different game than uh, than we've seen so far. And you know, we're going to have the opportunity to see the Knicks team that we've seen, you know, most of the season that we haven't really seen this series. I'm with you, man. I think that the MSG crowd is a is a total game changer. I think that we're going to just see shots start start to fall, like I mentioned from our role players, but also from from Randall and RJ. Like those guys both played incrementally better in game four than they had. Like you're hoping that's just a stepping stone 
to where they're going to be in game five. And this Knicks team has been so resilient all year. They do play with that, that mentality. Like they, they're not going to, they're not going to roll over. Okay. Um, I know game games three and four weren't so indicative of that, but um, that was kind of more functional, just make or miss league and the Hawks sort of caught fire, but I'm, I'm with you. I think I really do believe like, I, you know, I really, I genuinely believe that the Knicks are going to win this next game and there's going to be a game six in Atlanta. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really have much else. Anything for you, Kenny? Uh, I don't, um, I, I, I don't think I mentioned it at the top of the hour, um, or however long we've been recording, but while we were playing basketball and you can vouch for this, um, I took a half court shot and I said, this is for the series. So if, the, if I made this half court shot, uh, Knicks were going to win the series. And uh, one of one from half court made that shot. So there you go. I, I, guarantee, I guarantee based on that shot, Knicks win the series. And you know what it kind of reminded me of was, um, and I think you should leave when you've got the, the car ideas sketch and Ruben Rabasa, the actor, he says, okay, this counts for everything. And he flips the water bottle and lands it. And that's yeah. kind of what it spelled like to me when you said, okay, this counts for everything. And you hit the half court shot on your first try. Very impressive. Um, and, I, and I do think that's worth noting. So thanks for bringing that up. Yep. <laughs> that's all I got. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TalkinNicks. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. We were putting out highlights. We're putting out analysis, uh, some commentary and stuff like that on social media during the games, outside the games. So definitely follow us there. And, uh, yeah, if you like what you heard, go ahead and throw this. Uh, what You subscribe. You follow on Spotify. And you, uh, you leave, leave us a, a little rating, a little review. We appreciate that. Five stars. Thank you all for listening. And let's go Knicks. Knicks take.